On this week's episode, we talk all about our advocacy journeys on the internet. Yes, we talk about why we started advocating and how we still feel about it today. So stick around. Hello and welcome to Rare with Flair. The podcast where two best friends with the same rare disease are living our best lives. I'm your host, Cassandra. And I'm your host, Casey. How you been, girl? I have been well. I feel like things have been kind of slower for me lately. I haven't been traveling as much, which is kind of nice. That is nice. Are you traveling like 13 times? uh, Something like that. Yes, it sounds obnoxious (laughs) because it is. (laughs) Um, But I'm just trying to enjoy the summer, not try to, you know, skip ahead too far and get excited for the fall, which is what my brain wants to do. But I say no. Girl, I was already doing that. Stop. (laughs) I need to enjoy the moment. I need to enjoy the moment because in the wintertime, I want the summer so badly and I need to enjoy now that I'm in it. Um, But I did want to tell the audience today that something very exciting happened over the last couple of days. Um, Oh, what's that? It was. Yes, uh, I'm going to to tell everyone. It was our dear Cassandra's birthday over the last, over the weekend. Um. And I'm so sad I didn't mention it in the prior pod. We were having some tech issues and I just like forgot about it. But now I'm saying it now. So everyone, please wish Cass a belated happy birthday. Cass, how was your birthday? How was it? You know, it was great. So I turned 26 and I wanted it to be kind of low key. So I did it up a little bit last year when I turned 25 And I was like, okay, 26 is kind of an unremarkable age. Like, let's be real. So (laughs) I wanted to have a nice chill day. And that is exactly what I had. I was very pleased. I took myself to get some ice cream. I played some video games. And then in the evening of of my birthday, which fell on a Saturday, it was kind of nice. Um, My friends and I went mini golfing, which I really like mini golf. I just... I think it's so entertaining, and um, we had a really good time. We opted for, there were, like, seven of us, so we opted for, like, Maximum Chaos, where each of us would hit a ball and not finish a turn, so, like, a lot of the balls ended up clustered around each other, so then we would have someone who was, like, behind someone else hit, so that, like, the balls would go flying everywhere, like, it was really funny. That's so funny. And you you're you dressed up really like retro and cute too for this occasion. Oh, thank you. I was feeling I it. Love. I was feeling it. I don't know why. I borrowed that- a petticoat from my friend in order to make a dress that I already owned poofier. I was I yes. felt amazing. <laughs> it goes so well with golfing for whatever reason. You just looked really classy. <laughs> thank you. It was it was a blast. The other thing I wanted to tell the pod. So first there, there are a couple activities, or probably more than a couple, but two that I think of immediately that seem like they're visual, but in fact, in my opinion, are also very intuition-based, so I'm not, like, so bad at them. One of them is throwing darts, and the other is mini-golf, and so with both of these activities, I'm never really going to win, 
but I am going to get like a bullseye or a hole in one. So I got two <laughs> holes in one while we played mini golf and my friends were like, they're always like shocked when it happens. And you know what? Me too. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Cause I've had similar experiences with archery. We're all like, get it perfect. Yeah. But it's like, not every time it's kind of like a beginner's luck situation. I'm not sure. Very inconsistent. But, mm-hmm, <laughs> I've had similar, similar experiences with that. Mm-hmm. The other thing that we did was um, at the at the place where we had the mini golf, there were some batting batting cages, and so my friends wanted to to play, and they got some tokens. And uh, after we finished our round of mini golf, they were like, "Oh, we got to finish up our tokens." So we went in and we went to the slow pitch softballs. So you know, it wasn't like seventy mile per hour baseballs, but. I did hit a couple softballs, and I was really proud of myself. I felt like I was swinging wildly, but my friends were very supportive. They, like, cheered really loud when I hit them. I was honored. I love that. I mean, we all know that I'm not athletic at all, but I've always wondered how I would be. Girl, you're always on your stationary bike. Like, she'll send me memos and be like, I'm sorry, I'm out of breath. I'm working out. Like, (laughs) Here's the thing. <laughs> okay, that's because I listened to, because you you sent me a bunch of memos while I'm asleep, and I listen to them in the morning while I'm on my bike. I can't <laughs> help the timing. But the thing is, there's a difference. There is a big difference, in my opinion, between being in shape and being athletic. I'm not athletic at all. <coughs> um, but <coughs> like I I am good at like cardio but I'm not athletic I'm not coordinated I'm not strong anyway but that's beside the point I've always wondered how I would be at like blind sports like goal ball or beep ball or those oh, kind of yeah. sports because I was I think thinking some of beep ball while I was playing or while I was trying to hit the <laughs> yeah. softballs I was like I wonder if that would make it easier or harder because I was really having a hard time seeing the ball it's yeah. It was in no way helped that my friend who had rented the helmet has, like, a surprise. It's proportional to his body, but, like, he has, like, a huge head compared to mine. <laughs> and so, like, the, the helmet was also in my eyes. So I not only Ooh. couldn't see normal, but I also couldn't see because there was a helmet there in my eyes. <laughs> mm, yes, yes. But it sounds like a great time. It was really fun. We had cupcakes and it was... It was everything I wanted it to be, and for that, I'm very, like, satisfied. I'm so happy. I'm so happy. Happy birthday, girl. So, since we're talking now here on the internet, I'm making a segue. It's not good. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, Here we are. Uh, Anyway, so, (laughs) we've had this pod for nearly three years, which is wild to think about i can't believe it but this is not our first time doing online advocacy yeah so we kind of want to talk about online advocacy why we started doing it why we still continue to do it and all the feelings that come with that some good some bad um cass and i have done online advocacy on like public platforms like blogs or youtube but we've also done some advocacy on our private Instagram, Facebook, social media, which is like a whole different thing we want to dive into too. Um, so this is going to be like a interesting episode. We were kind of joking that it feels kind of meta that we're talking about why we do advocacy <laughs> on our podcast about advocacy. Um, but I think it's, it's, you know, the reason why we're doing this pod. I think we, it's cool to talk about. Um, 
you know, when did it start for you? When do you remember first first advocating online on the interwebs? So it's interesting, like, I remember when I got a Facebook when I turned 13, because in that time when I was 13 in the 2010s, um, or in 2010, it was like the <laughs> thing. Like, mm-hmm. everyone had the Facebook, and that is how people use it. Believe it or not, if you are younger than us Uh, And have only ever really known Facebook to be, like, this antiquated form of social media. Um, Millennials and older Gen Zers will tell you, we used it a lot. We put a lot of information on there. Um, We sure did. I literally, as a tangent, I was, like, I literally uncovered a layer of Facebook I think yesterday where I was like, oh my gosh, what are all of these things that I did on my profile when I was 13? Remember oh. when there were there were like pages you would like that oh, had yeah. random names? Yeah. So I just, I found where they all live and I was like, no. <laughs> but, oh my gosh. <laughs> but I, I remember like, it's I, I think when it came to social media, I did that mostly in college. When I'm talking about earlier on, maybe like, my teenage years there were some I I had my advocacy more in different areas and then I did it for different organizations so um when I was I think 15 I started writing for the um, National Organization for Albinism and Hypopigmentation's quarterly magazine they call albinism insight which yeah it's like a really funny pun i love it um (laughs) uh so i would put out articles short or long and i was pretty consistent about it up until there were periods of time where i was really sick because around that time is when i had a lot of issues with my um colitis for hps so um that was something that I did that I felt like was really satisfying. And I don't know that I, I'm still trying to think if I like utilize Facebook a lot, but I think a lot of what I did was I I tried to leverage school when I, whenever possible Mm. when I was younger. And so there were a couple projects that I did that we got to choose a topic on and that I made relevant to me and um, having HPS. So when I was like a freshman in high school, I did this research report on the albinism in Tanzania crisis, which if you don't know what that is, um, basically it's gotten better, but it's it's still a very modern crisis where uh, people with albinism that are born in very rural places in Africa that don't really know what albinism is at all think that because these babies come out without pigment and they're like bright white skin and hair um that they somehow possess magical powers and so uh, they are actually physically hunted for their body parts and and often murdered and Mm -hmm. their body parts being sold on the black market which is horrible um that the un has done a lot to to combat that but um but I put together this research about it and I did like a like a I edited a video and I showed it in class I was really proud of myself Aww. 
And then when I was a junior in high school, I did another research report on rare disease and the social and economic and emotional impacts that it has on both like the patients, the caregivers, the the broader economy. Um, and I did another presentation on that. And I, I, again, it was really cool to feel like connected to yourself in that way. Um, mm-hmm. Did you ever do stuff like that? Yeah, I did do a few things in school regarding like advocacy about my vision I did in our middle school we had like a chapel and I did a little speech about my vision there once and then in college which was much later in college I took a public speaking class and we had to choose at the beginning of the semester a topic to write like four or five speeches on and I chose rare disease kind of similar to what you were saying about like how it's that's cool yeah and all that um But yeah, I've been doing online advocacy since I was about 15 or 16. Um, Growing up, I just always kind of felt, I know know this is going to sound sad. I don't mean for it to sound sad, but I always kind of felt misunderstood. And I've always like, yeah, I had this fire in me to, to educate people and to teach people like how my life was. I just always had this, Mm -hmm. this desire And so I started a YouTube channel when I was around, yeah, 15, 16. And YouTube was really different back then. Like, it wasn't a career for people. So people weren't, like, uploading on a schedule. Like, every Tuesday, like, tune in. I mean, maybe some people were, but it wasn't the landscape of YouTube back then. So I would kind of just periodically post a video whenever I wanted to. It was really, like, once a year. Like, it was, like, so random and... Like, the most random people found my channel, but I um, really enjoyed that. It kind of gave me an outlet to talk about those things that felt kind of unspoken. And I always thought that everyone was like me. Like, I always thought, like, everyone with albinism or low vision wanted to talk about it. But actually, you'll find in this community that some people share a lot online about their journey and some people don't want to talk about it at all. And I think, like neither way is is good or bad you know it's you know totally fine either way but a lot of people don't want to don't want to be involved in the community or don't want to share their experiences online and I kind of thought everyone was like me for a time until I met more people and I was like oh that's just interesting I'm not saying one way is better but yeah so I did you feel that desire you know growing up to like to do online advocacy or like did you have yeah like did you have that desire yeah I I mean I think so I think I did um I'm I'm thinking of something that you were saying though about how really quick not every person wants to talk about it and I do really think that um there's a lot of nature and nurture to that Mm. um I remember reading this like collection of essays from people with albinism. It was kind of an old compilation. Um, actually, it was called it's called Writing the White Rainbow, which was really interesting. Um, but it was all kinds of people talking about their experiences. And I did find that people who had more supportive families tended to embrace it and be more open to talk about it. Um, and obviously that's not always like, the case. But I, I think for both of us, we have that experience where we both had very supportive families. 
and therefore we felt comfortable talking about it and felt good about embracing it. Yeah. I I did though. I did feel like I wanted to talk about it, not like incessantly, but I I felt that yeah, I was different and it's hard because there's no one really around you that shares your same experience yeah. that you are living and and no one fully understands it even if they can can sympathize or can try to imagine like they'll never really know what it's like and so at trying to trying to explain my unique perspective felt good and it felt like something I had wanted to do there was a period of time where um I think I was like in high school I did I did feel that maybe like oh if maybe if I share my story and this is already when I had like intestinal disease so I I had more than exclusively my vision but um I was thinking like okay maybe if I share my story I can like help other people somehow um and I don't know if I feel exactly like that now Mm -hmm. um and I feel like we'll get to that a little bit but yeah I feel like that's getting into the weeds of like why do we do this in the first place yeah Um, (laughs) yeah that's so that is really getting into why we do this and I think it's something you know we're still doing it we're doing this podcast so it's something to really ask ourselves of why do we continue to do this and there's so many layers to it and so many different reasons and I think for me like when I started out and and still now like one of my biggest main reasons was to try to educate the general public about what someone with low vision or someone who's legally blind goes through Mm -hmm. because I felt so like misunderstood and I still do and I I feel once again like that sounds negative or like I'm being you know just this complaining person or like, like I'm not trying to play the victim at all but I do think like every day of my life like going out in public like people don't understand why I need to do things a certain way and I just feel like it's one of those things that should be more commonly known and should be more commonly taught, but it's not. Mm-hmm. And it it surprises me how little people know about low vision. And so that was like my main goal is to teach people. And I think most people who listen to this podcast are in our community. So I, I right. kind of learned that <laughs> I wasn't ever really reaching the public, which kind of made me sad. But I think my secondary reason for starting When I started my YouTube channel, I didn't have any friends with albinism. I knew one person who was a good bit older than me who I loved, but I I wanted to make friends. I wanted to Mm -hmm. get to know people in the community. And I think another reason was I did want to help people. Like I am an Enneagram too, if if that means anything to any of you listening, um, were the helper. I did want to help people because I felt kind of isolated as a child and I wanted kids and parents to... Um, not feel the same way I did, you know, to feel like there was someone there. And I, I, you know, sometimes I'm like, is there like an ego thing to that of like, I want to feel good about myself. Like I want to like help people. And I don't know. I hope not. Like I, I'm just digging in, I'm digging into the weeds in my brain right now. No, yeah. Like I hope not. Like I would like to think that I just wanted to be there for people the way that I didn't always have it. Um, But I Mm -hmm. do think whenever you're putting yourself online, you, uh, I, I once heard someone say, whenever you're putting yourself online, like making a video, 
you think you have something important to say. So you have some kind of self-importance. Like you, you... You think that what you are saying is worth people listening to. So I do think sure. there's a little bit of that. And I do think like, I'm just trying to be super honest here with why we do it. And I think there's like right. 10 different reasons. And hopefully those would be more towards the bottom of the list. But I do think like if we're trying to be super honest here of like why we do it, mm-hmm. like what do you think? Like how do you feel about all of this? Yeah, yeah. And it's funny. I feel like I haven't even really talked about a lot of the online stuff. And I think... And maybe maybe I'm missing something entirely, but I, I'm, when I think about being a teenager, I didn't do a lot of the online stuff. When I did more online things, it was when I was in, in college mm. and undergrad. So I was a bit older when I started doing more advocacy work online. But like when I think about advocating in general from a personal standpoint, I do think that... I do think that part of it for me, and this feels very also Enneagram 8, was um, helping t- me to understand me mm. and and I connect with that part of my identity. Because I always knew, like, I was diagnosed with Hermansky-Pudlak syndrome when I was effectively born. And so um, I always knew what I had and was very aware of it, was not shy about when I needed to talk about it with like teachers or things growing up. And we have like an episode we did about advocating in school uh, that we've already done. But um, I, I think when I think back to some of those projects that I was talking about that I did for school, especially that first one. Um, I did learn a lot about myself and I remember that project but because of what it taught me about me and less about the project itself, mm. which is what I felt in the moment. Um, so I, I wrote a quick bit about um, albinism and what albinism is. And I also wrote a little bit about Hermansky-Pudlak syndrome, which albinism is a symptom of, of Hermansky-Pudlak syndrome. So um, I wrote a quick blurb about it. And while I was online... I was 14 and this was already about the time when I was starting to have symptoms of H- like of colitis with HPS. I didn't know what it was at the time, but I was having issues and I you know, in my family other people had had GI issues mm-hmm. of, of varieties and so I thought it might be that. But when I read online that some people with HPS get this, I was like, "Oh. Well, that's interesting Mm. you know I I didn't I didn't put that much stock into it but it was also when I learned that I was gonna get pulmonary fibrosis and I think that was it was kind of a very unceremonious moment which I'm glad it was my parents never like sat me down and and told me the implications of me having Hermansky-Pudlak syndrome that I would eventually develop pulmonary fibrosis in my adult life but like I don't know. I read it online and I, I didn't think too hard about it. I just kind of accepted it as fact. Like, oh, okay, cool. All right. Yeah. That's a thing. But I'm 14 and that doesn't really matter to me. Um, but I I learned a lot about myself in that moment while writing this thing for school. And I think it mattered. Um, yeah. and, and even like what you were saying about wanting to connect with people like you. When I wrote for Albinism Insight part of which was posted online. And I did post some of the articles I, I wrote online too. But um, I, I felt like I was connecting with my community and I felt like my experiences going to NOAA conferences, which were really fun that 
people didn't fully understand outside of the context. Um, it was really cool because I got to put them in a place. I got to write about my my fun time at the NOAA conference and put it out so that the community can read it. And if they haven't been to a conference, it maybe it inspires them to go and maybe they'll have a lot of fun. Yeah. So. I, yeah. Oh, go ahead. I was done. Well, I, no, <laughs> I like what you said about like it helps you learn more about yourself. I think we've said this many times before, but this podcast has helped us to be better advocates oh, in yeah. our real life and helped us to understand ourselves better and be and just be more confident in who we are and be unapologetically ourselves. And I think that's another part of advocacy. Uh, in order to advocate about your condition, you kind of have to accept it first. <laughs> um, there has to be mm-hmm. like an acceptance of like, I'm not ashamed to talk about this and I'm going to do it. So I think there are right. so many different reasons why we advocate. And I think in my advocacy journey, I've... I think one of the reasons I do it is I I'm a passionate person. Like when I feel something, I feel it deeply. I'm an I'm mm-hmm. an emotional person, and I think there have been certain things throughout this journey that I've been really passionate about that I've spoken about. So like I'm really passionate about diagnosis for rare diseases because my diagnosis came late, and I'm passionate about teaching the albinism community about HPS. I'm also yeah. passionate about the white cane, and I like really want to you know, help people feel comfortable enough to not be afraid to use that. And um, and there have been other things, you know, throughout my journey uh, online that I've kind of, I mean, I've talked about all kinds of things as we have on this podcast, but I think what carries me through it is the passion that I feel for these topics. Um, and mm-hmm. yeah, so I think some of it is like education, like trying to educate people whether it be our community or just the general public on that too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I will like really quick talk about some of the things I did when I was older. Yeah. Stay a little bit on theme, but um, I, so when I was a freshman in college, I think, or almost a sophomore, I, I started a little blog and I say little because I didn't post on it so often, but I did really, enjoy that I didn't post regularly either but I it was more disability focused I Mm. kind of talked about funny things and and interesting stuff that probably we talk about on this podcast very similar of feeling like you know people recognize you everywhere I think that was like my first post about you know just joking about how like I feel like a low-key celebrity even though I'm very much not like um, when I, it was close to the time when I got my guide dog, Romana. And so when I went to guide dogs for the blind, I, I did post about it and I posted a few other pieces about, you know, what it's like to have a guide dog and, um, I don't know, just different thoughts. And I liked that outlet. Um, you know, writing takes time though. And, and being in college, it wasn't something I was, able to keep up because I was also do I was really busy in, in, in undergrad but um but I really enjoyed that I'm glad I had that for a short period of time um I did on and off do some work with um the positive exposure pearls project where they have on their own platform kind of isolated blogs where um people with disabilities kind of just talk about their normal lives and um 
it's part of like a curriculum about educating about disabilities so people will understand you know we're people as well as having disabilities uh, and there were a lot of people with a variety of disabilities that participated in this too so um that was uh I, I did that for a little bit too and then around this time was also when i used facebook a lot for the sake of advocacy well that's i want to get into i don't that. really know for are we ready to I dive think in we are. I think yeah we okay are. i think we're ready I think like <laughs> online advocacy on these platforms that we've been talking about is different than advocacy on our personal, private social media pages with our friends and family. I think they're two different things almost, you know, but very much so you have to understand the landscape of Facebook back in the day and how people shared a lot more personal things back then. Than they do now, oh, yeah. as far as as far as my age demographic goes, like from what I can see, um, and I will say for me personally, there are some things I shared on there that I'm still proud of or that I think were good. I, I would share things for like you know Albinism Awareness Day and things mm-hmm. like that, but there were some other things like some medical things mostly um, that I shared mm-hmm. that I would not do today. And I'm not necessarily ashamed of it, but I do. Here's my thing. I think when you post about something a lot, um, I used to post about disability a lot more because I didn't really have an outlet like I do now with the pod. And I feel like when I don't have an outlet, it's like bubbling inside of me, like ready to come out. Yeah. I would post about disability a lot more often. And I do feel I... I feel like people who don't really know me, who just casually follow me, like people I used to know in elementary and middle school or people like that that don't know me in everyday life, probably think I was making it my whole personality or, you know, trying to get attention Mm. or Mm -hmm. just like obsessing Mm -hmm. over my blindness. When if you know Mm. me, like if you know me in real life, I don't even talk about it all that often unless it needs to be said. Um, but because I was posting so much about it and that's all they were seeing of me, I do kind of regret how often I was posting, um, because I do think like it, it did look like it was my whole personality probably to some people and it really isn't, but I feel like that was my outlet to talk about. Right. I don't know. What do you think? No, I, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I have a similar and different. It's really interesting. Um, when, okay. When you say medical, you don't have to tell, you know, don't tell us exactly what it was, but give an example that may or may not be true. Like, okay, I just think it was funny how this is how Facebook was, but I would be yeah. like, <laughs> I could just think of that. It's so embarrassing. I would make a, I'm sorry. I, I don't want to put a, you on the spot. I just want, I want people to well, like have a picture. I would make a status like, hey, like, since I can't take you know since i can't take ibuprofen and i'm bleeding like what's the best med what do you guys do like to my other hps friends but it was like on my public like pay like my oh Facebook yeah or like even when i got diagnosed with hps i think i made a post of like there's this like rare disease i'm getting tested for because like why why was i doing that i don't know but this was 13- it was it, you're right though that's ago. exactly how it was that's how it was like people were posting like i just ate spaghetti for dinner like it was like that I mean, it was every conscious thought when I was on, It was online. literally 13 We didn't know what to ago. do with it. But then also when I was in the hospital, I would like give updates sometimes. And I'd be like, date yeah. three in the hospital. Like, I wouldn't do that now. Um, 
Yeah. It's we just, know people that still do that, and that's, like, fine for them. Yeah. It just... Yeah, no, I agree. So, I started posting a lot after I got um, my my colectomy, after I got my colon removed. Part as a way to process through that. Sure. Um, so, I... When I was in the hospital, I didn't post, like, hardly anything. Um, I did post some stuff, maybe, like, a photo or something, or, like, a photo when I was getting out of the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I was really sick, I think there were on and off photos of, like, oh, LOL, back in the hospital that I would put on, like, Instagram or something. But I really didn't have the time or mental energy to put all of what was going on online. And even then, even though it wasn't uncommon for people to use Facebook that way, I just really didn't want to post all of the details. I thought it was too much information for everyone to to know. Um, No shame if you do that and if that works for you. I just, that's not something I would do. Also, I mean... I don't know. It's it's deeply personal. Like, not everyone needs to know. Um, but after I got my colectomy, between, I would say, maybe my... After my first semester of college and then probably through my junior year, I would post with some frequency, especially my sophomore year, as I started to understand myself again more. Mm-hmm. So, um... There were a couple years that I went to a conference. There was uh, a, there's a group called Girls with Guts for women with um, bowel disease, and they're a really awesome group of ladies. So I went to their conferences like a couple, a few times maybe, and I felt very seen. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those women were very av- like big advocates on social media and so I I also wanted to to do that so Mm -hmm. for things like especially I remember this there was a period of time in my sophomore year of college I think it was around the winter that I made a series of posts like every day talking about what the realities of having bowel disease were and I was very open I remember yeah I actually remember those posts I I was proud of them I was happy to share them. Um, it was like IBD Awareness Week or something. Um, I ended up archiving a lot of them because I liked the thoughts, but I really didn't need the world to know after after a certain point. Mm-hmm. But they were received really well. Yeah. Um, I appreciated that because when I was going through it in high school, I didn't tell anyone Mm -hmm. it wasn't like a secret but i just knew that people wouldn't understand and so i didn't want to freak them out and so i didn't say anything because i was like 17 Mm -hmm. um and and so i i i'm still kind of proud of those posts even though they're not up anymore um Mm -hmm. i would i posted a series of photos of me and wearing different dresses for dances in, in high school and like just the the various shapes that my body took whether mm-hmm. i was like on steroids or sick i was like either like s- my face was swollen or i was like really 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 thin or 
like concerningly so or you know just I looked unhealthy at different periods of Mm -hmm. time and like I talked about you know the impact of of the dress that I wore when I graduated high school where I looked like positively skeletal Mm -hmm. and and for me that was before I had started getting therapy before I even fully realized that I had post-traumatic stress disorder um Mm -hmm. from all this whole medical trauma it was actually it was it was important for me to start attempting to process through that trauma and i think part of me regrets doing it in a a public way but i am at least glad that i put words to it and i'm glad that i got to keep it for me and now i got to archive it where only i can see it yeah um and sometimes i do go back through and read how i felt at the time and um, and I'm glad. And there and there was more than just that week. There were different times that I would post, like, more raw and open and honest, yeah. especially about my medical trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I stopped because I think it was – so it, it was around the time when I was really not doing well in my mental health when a lot of my PTSD – started coming up strongly in 2018. It was a really difficult year for me. And I posted, I usually posted, um, and that was something I kept up until this year. I literally just forgot and I didn't. (laughs) It wasn't like a conscious choice. I was on vacation. Um, I would post on the year anniversary of my total colectomy. And I like made this post and I started, I started noticing a certain tone in the in the comments and the replies and people were nice like they were really kind but i realized that i was objectifying myself mm. um like in a way of like people see you and they they see this like quote unquote inspirational content mm. mm-hmm. and they like it so they feel good and they kind of feel pity for you. Mm. And I was like, you know, I think that I'm going to put a little bit of distance between me and the online world because I, I started realizing maybe not everyone needs to know everything Mm. and I can keep some things for just me and I started getting like professional therapy Mm -hmm. which also really helped me and gave me an outlet to talk about those traumatic events yeah yeah I feel like it is kind of I feel like doing a lot of posting back in the day for me it almost was like a therapy for me and that's almost unhealthy to use Facebook as like your therapy you know but I was kind of doing that um, because I felt like it was these things that were so misunderstood and I just wanted to feel, I wanted to feel seen. Sure. And I felt like if I posted and people liked it, they were seeing the things that I go through on a daily basis that aren't often seen. Right. And there are a few posts I made that I'm still kind of proud of. I made, I remember I made a post about when this man accused me of faking blindness when I was using my white cane and I made a post about it because I was so, like, angry when it happened. And I remember that post, like, was well-received, too. And a lot of people were, like, sharing it. 
And I remember I also made an albinism awareness day post once that a lot of people shared. Some people even stole it and used it as like made it look like they wrote it. Yeah, I've seen that. That made me mad. And now it's like the format I did it in was so silly. But back then that was like the way it was like a bunch of like bullet points. Um, But so, yeah. Oh, yeah. I made so Uh, many of my statuses like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. So. Uh, you know, I'm not like ashamed of everything I ever put. I just think I I got really personal at certain times. And I think it I, I think my biggest regret is kind of making it look like it was like my whole personality and that I wanted all this attention for it and all that. And I don't that's not that wasn't the case. But I think it probably looked like that to people who didn't know me. And I think I kind of stopped posting about any of this kind of when we started the pod. Um, because I felt mm-hmm. like the pod allowed me to have an outlet to talk about all these things. And I kind of felt like if I was posting on Facebook or Instagram that I kind of felt like if I was posting there that I was overdoing it by doing that and the podcast, you know, I was like, the podcast is enough. I don't need to do a, do a whole podcast and post about all this <laughs> stuff. Like the pod is enough. And, and Cass and yeah. I, our Facebook and Instagram are private, by the way. Like, we, no, you know, no shade to anyone. We're not, you know, we're just private. But um, I don't even, we don't even share the podcast very much. I usually share it, like, on our year anniversary um, or if we do a yeah. fundraiser. Those are, like, the two times that I share it. But I, I feel like if I did this podcast 10 years ago, I might have been, like, sharing it a lot more. Um, oh, totally. But oh, totally. Actually, though, I never shared my YouTube. It was always a secret, actually. Okay. Yes. I wanted to ask you about this because I remember this. This yeah. is when, like, I knew you. And, like, I remember in in an HPS conference, like, early on, my your mom told my mom oh that, my like, God. oh, Casey has this YouTube channel. But, I mean, I shouldn't really be telling you about it because she doesn't like it when I tell uh. people about it. And... I didn't understand why, which is really funny because I know that you, well, because, okay, I, I I know that I think around the time that you're talking about when you were more active on your personal Facebook mm-hmm. posting things, that story of being accused of faking blindness, you made a video about, yeah, which I'm is sure really interesting that you didn't share the video on social media. Isn't Why do you feel like that was? I don't know. So when I started making videos when I was like 16, that was before mm-hmm. I was doing, I wasn't really posting about albinism when I was around that age on Facebook. Um, mm-hmm. And it was like a secret. And like sometimes people would find my channel back then and be like, I saw your video. And, you know, I'd be like so embarrassed because that was when YouTube was so small that you just like would see your friends upload things, which was so strange. But um, yeah. I don't know. I think it felt really vulnerable because it was just me talking to a camera. I think sharing the podcast feels less scary because I'm with you. So I feel like you give me some kind of like credibility because you're here. And like it makes me feel like somebody else is doing this too. But I feel... Oh, totally. I, I don't know because I was posting really like personal things. And then I wasn't sharing those videos. So I do think that's kind of strange. Um. I think it just think it looked kind of attention grabby to me. I felt like it looked like there was mm. something that looked like weird about it. Like, hey, watch me. Like, I didn't. I I like attention sometimes, but I also really don't at the same time. Like, I don't want 
to come off as like everybody watch what I have to say like so I don't know yeah well and I think video is very much the format now and it's like um and so I feel like now if you wanted to do something like that it would be it would probably be posting the link to the video um but I, I think there was some kind of degree of, of whether it was real or not separation behind the just plain text on a yeah. page. Uh-huh. You know, you don't have to show your face and yeah. you can yeah. talk about things that happen to you and you can edit it. And, you know, you can do all that with a video, too. But I, I, I get that you feel a little bit more exposed because people hear your voice yeah. and see your face talking about this and, en- encounter. And I think it's not even disability related because when I had a booktube channel for like two years, I was actively posting on this booktube channel like twice a week. I never shared that on social media ever. Yeah. So it wasn't just I remember disability. looking for it and and like failing when I was when we were living through that time. <laughs> yeah, it's still there. It's still there. I um, know. It's cute though. Your content was really good. <laughs> oh gosh, it was so it was it's a product of its time. Like I I Very went back so, but it's I was was so like, you know, back then on YouTube, it was so, hey, everybody, it was very like high energy. I think now, now it's way more like um, real, like it's all about like being real. But back then it was like performative. So I was like, hey, guys, what's up? You know, like it was crazy. (laughs) But but anyway, I never shared that either. So I don't even think it's like an advocacy thing. I think it was like something about being, it's something about, it's not even like I'm vulnerable because I'm on a video. It's something about like not bragging but like wanting attention I didn't like looking like I want like guys look at my show like I don't like that because it was just me like if like I said if Mm -hmm. if you had been on it too if it was like the Casey and Cash show or whatever I would probably share it but it was because it was just me I felt weird being like look at me talk I don't know I just yeah I don't know I just never shared that stuff and it was kind yeah, of fun having my own um, little world, though, not sharing it. It was kind of fun. That's fun. Yeah, I know. You get to have, like, a secret double yeah, life uh-huh. where you're, like, a YouTuber, but nobody knows. Nobody knows. Hannah Montana. Um, I, <laughs> um, I think, like, thinking of our advocacy now and how we yeah. feel about it, um, I, I really like having this podcast because kind of, like, Back when I was a teenager, I got to talk about my time, my fun time at the albinism conference. I feel like I get to put this in a box. Mm. And if people want to hear it, they can hear it. And I don't write, I don't readily promote this podcast like you were saying. I think really the most of what I do is I have it linked in my Instagram bio. Yeah, yeah. That, you know, we co-host this show. But... I like that we get to enjoy this thing. And and a lot of the times it really truly does feel like a pure expression of our friendship since, of course, like we've mentioned before, this podcast was partially born out of uh, our like three hour long FaceTime calls where we would talk about and compare Mm -hmm. notes and rehash like our experiences living with this disease. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And so, in a way, it just feels like that, but now online. <laughs> yeah. I think if this podcast ever ended, which we, you know, we don't plan for it to anytime soon, but if this podcast ever ended, I would have a hard time not advocating. I think it's in my bones. I don't know yeah. where I would do it or how I would get it out, but I have a hard time not doing it. <laughs> like, I think it's like, I know this sounds really maybe over the top it probably is very over the top but i kind of <laughs> it, it sounds really self-important it's not meant to i kind of feel like it's part of the reason i'm on this earth <laughs> no i don't think that's self-important like i think I, a lot of people who advocate feel that way and i feel i feel that satisfaction partially at through my job i work in yes. accessibility I help advocate for not just people with low vision, um, but for a variety of disabilities as it relates to like digital experiences, making sure that people can use things equitably. And so I still feel like I get to have some of that satisfaction. Mm -hmm. But talking about my personal low vision and chronically ill experience um, you know, sometimes I get to talk about myself at work and be like, hey, as someone with low vision, I feel whatever. Um, but, you know, I don't know if I don't know. I don't know what I would do if this podcast were to end, because I really feel like I have become a better disabled person yeah. For, yeah, from talking about and processing with someone who has very similar, you know, thoughts and feelings as I do as it relates to disability. Yeah. And I, for work, I'm also like in the nonprofit disability space. And it's funny that we kind of both went into things that kind of like <laughs> scratch that itch for us. Um, yeah. And it would be hard for me not to. I just feel like ever since I was little, I just kind of knew I had to grow up and do something. I want to, like, change the world. I know I'm not going to change the world, but I always, like, felt this need. Um, and I, like, knew that. I, like, I like felt that when I was a kid, that I had something to, to share. I was like, this is, like, you know, I have this thing, and I want to I learn about it. I want to talk about it. I want to be involved. Um, and... So I think, yeah, I think this pod is like super special. And I, I mean, do you feel, I feel like I rarely talk about the pod because I feel like podcasts have a negative connotation of like everybody has a podcast. <laughs> yes. Oh, I didn't tell you this. Somebody recently that didn't know that I had this podcast with you literally like made a snarky comment like to me being like, oh, everybody has a podcast nowadays. But like they didn't know that I had <gasps> this pod. And I had to be like, yeah, you know, and it's like, I just think that's really, um, yeah, it's funny. I, that's why I don't go around being like, I have a podcast with my friend, you know, like I don't share yeah. that a lot. Yeah, because of, of going back to that thing that you said about posting things online, if you are doing it, you feel like you have something important to say. And I think a lot of like, there are a lot of like, anyone with a microphone can make a podcast. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. you know. I think there are plenty of terrible podcasts out there where people spout a lot of garbage opinions. Um, and and those are the ones that get reproduced. Also, the people who have, like, large egos and are out there talking as if they are the most important people on this earth. You know, yeah. we hesitated doing a podcast because yeah. of that. Yeah. <laughs> like, I really, that concept. I really, really... 
I feel for me and for you, I really do feel like it's coming from a genuine place. Like, at the end of the day, it's hard to take your ego out of anything you do in life. Sure. But at the end of the day, like... You have to be confident enough in yourself right, to put it out there in right. the first place. I do feel like, though, it's coming from this place of, like, I really do just want to educate. I really do just want to help. I'm not trying to, like, look at me, look at me, and listen to me. Um, but I do yeah. feel like there is, like, a part of us... That, like, our disability has gone so unseen, like, as children especially, mm-hmm. that there is a part of me that wants to be seen. And that feels vulnerable for me to say. Um, yeah. But it's like... No, I, I think everyone desires to be seen, especially when... And understood. You know... Yeah. When you know that what you have is so uncommon that very likely the person that you're talking to has never met another person with low vision before. And so how are you going to let them in in a way? Mm-hmm. You don't have to you don't have to educate the world. You don't have to let everyone in. But no one will ever learn otherwise. And that's something I struggle with like in my daily life. I want to be a person. I want to yeah. be a person who enjoys regular person things mm-hmm. and and my fun hobbies and you know, I don't want to be just like blind Cass going right. through the day. This is blind Cass, and everyone knows that like this is who I am, and right. this is my entire identity. And so, but at the same time, I understand that you know people don't people don't know what they don't know, mm-hmm. and that is part of educating. I feel that way when I'm out there with my guide dogs. I'm, I really I really often don't want to talk about it cuz I just want to live my life, but some oh, yeah. people don't know anything. And so I'm right. like, okay. All I right. know. I don't always want to be the educator. I just want to live sometimes too, but that's why I feel like yeah, I want to educate in my own space and time. Like I yes. want to educate on my own terms. I don't want to have to educate when I'm like trying to yes, pick up a I- you know, croissant at Trader Joe's or whatever. But that's ex- and that's exactly where I'm at right now in in yeah. this stage of my life. Yeah. And I've been there for a few years where like I get to do it on my terms, which is why I love having this podcast. Right. And I feel I like if feel... people are being weird, we can reference the pod. We can be like, hey, if you exactly. don't understand, listen to this pod that I make. All right, thanks. And it has it has helped before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I I was was with someone last year. I was dating someone, and like it actually helped cut through the chase. Yeah, that you know he actually got to hear a lot of the podcast, and I didn't have to re-explain myself. Yeah, every time I like maybe couldn't see something, or you know he just understood because he's heard me talk about it online, and I didn't yeah. have to waste my own breath yeah. saying it again. Yeah, I feel like the one of the last things I'll say that I just kind of thought of is like. I feel like the reason I speak out is, and I can't, I know we're kind of talking in circles and this is what I already said, but I, but I thought of like a way to say it. Every time somebody misunderstood, has misunderstood us or like something has gone wrong with our vision, it's like this pent up frustration <laughs> that mm-hmm. just keeps building and building where you want to scream, you know, this is how it is. So I feel like I, I feel like throughout my life, it's just been this, like, building frustration of people not getting it. And I still have yeah. that every day. Like, I still have people not get it all the time. And so I feel like no, this right? is where it comes out. This is where well, it comes and, and out. Well, and to, yeah, to that, 
we can turn it around and something that would be like incredibly frustrating we can be like well i guess we'll it'll make good content you know (laughs) i've seen horrible things happen to blind people before but then they speak out about it and the article like goes viral and it actually helps a lot of people and i'm like i hate that you had to go through that but i'm glad that people are learning because of that too yeah Um, so yeah no kidding i mean our episode that we did about like weird Uber mm-hmm. things. I, I mean, I have even more since yes. then, right? Just because we didn't stop taking Ubers and ride shares. But, um, you know, that was such a satisfying episode for me to record. And it came out of like, I had a hilarious Uber experience that I texted Casey. Like, I really, we, we really have to make this episode because I want to talk about it in a way that it's meant to be out there to be understood i guess i don't really know if that makes sense yeah. but we're putting it out there voluntarily yeah. so that people can we to like let people into our experience cuz no one would know otherwise no yeah. one would understand right. this weird nether space we live right. in right without the podcast <laughs> something bad would happen to you in the uber and then you would just go home and continue on with your be day be annoyed about it annoyed about, yeah <laughs> this is an outlet for us so yeah i think I think that pretty much covers it, honestly. Thanks for listening to our outlet, truly. Not just this episode, (laughs) but, you know, any other episode before this. Yeah, yeah. We made this open to give ourselves room to talk about truly how our disabilities intersect everything. Even the episodes that have been the flare type, not related. Yeah. Like, what is the word I'm looking for? My brain melted halfway through that <laughs> sentence but uh, not like strictly disability related right. that's what i was trying to right, say totally. um so it's it's nice and it is really kind that even though it is in our own community it is really fun when we get to meet people that we don't know that have found us online in our own community and are excited to meet us. Like, uh, why? Yeah. <laughs> but no. also, thank you. And thank you for listening to uh, not our therapy sessions, because we do, we have gotten yes. actual therapy, yes. but uh-huh. I don't know. Just thanks for letting us let you into our lives Absolutely. a little bit. Absolutely. Thank you all so much. We will see you next Tuesday, or no, two Tuesdays from now. <laughs> the, yep, that's the one. Yep. Bye. Bye.